welcome to the AI Applied Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Each week, I cover breaking AI news, tools, and interview experts giving you actionable tips on applying AI into your career, job, workflows, and life. Make sure that you go to AIbox.ai, link in the show notes, to join the waitlist for our new AI platform. We're going to be launching an incredible platform that allows you to build anything you want with workflows um, in AI. So you're able to chain together chat GPT and image generators and audio generators to make really powerful apps for your organization, or you can host them on our marketplace and actually generate royalties from them. So make sure to go to AIbox.ai and join the waitlist. In addition, if you like the podcast, if you could do me a massive favor and please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. This helps me be able to get better guests on here as they check the reviews to see how you guys are liking it. So if you could please do that, I would really, really appreciate it. Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Every day we talk about breaking news in AI and interview incredible entrepreneurs in the space. Today, we have the pleasure of having David Hurwitt on with us. Thanks so much for coming on the show, David. Would you mind telling everyone a little bit about your background? Sure, Jaden. I've uh, built my career developing new products and services in a range of different industries, um, from consumer products to industrial, you know, durables, those types of things. Um, and about three years ago, started uh, this software-based company to help people get into college. That's super fascinating, um, making that kind of career. I, I feel like, was that a bit of a career pivot? Had you done anything in software before? Was this a, a completely new move for you? Well, if you think about it in the context of what I do versus where I do it, um, it's the same thing I've been doing all along, which is to see a customer need and to try to fill it with a better product or service. Mm -hmm. um, I have applied that literally in everything from, from turbines to toothpicks. Um, I say sometimes windmills to washing machines, of some of the things I've worked on. But yeah, it's because all I about you, you've worked a little bit on, uh, for General Electric, is it right? Uh, working on washing machines? Uh, actually, well, I, I worked at, at General Electric on some other stuff, but I worked at Whirlpool on the washing machine business. Okay, okay. That's uh, what it was. I was seeing that. Yeah, you know, we, we looked at, I, I was the, the head of the Whirlpool washing machine, the brand manager on the Whirlpool washing machine business uh, in 2000. And okay. Whirlpool was the largest producer of front loaders in front loading washing machines in the rest of the world, but didn't sell any in the U.S., where they were the number one company in top loading washing machines. Okay. So I asked the sort of simple question of why is that? And is there a reason why we should try to change that? So we did some fascinating research about why Americans might want to use a front loading machine, why they weren't already using them. And then we actually just developed a brand new product, which is that large format front loading washer that's in probably 30 plus percentage of percent of, of American homes today um, and has done over a billion dollars in sales by simply changing the format and bringing this technical advantage to the American market. That's super interesting. And so what I'm feeling is, I know you're working on a new startup now, a new company, which is Truve. Um, and I'm assuming you took a little bit of that thinking over to your new over to your new company. But I'm curious, what inspired you to, to start Truve, inspired you to get into that market specifically? It has nothing to do with, you know, washing machines or some of the sure. other, yeah, some of the other areas. I'm curious. Yeah, you know, I... I originally worked in admissions when I was in college. And then when I was in business school, I was on the admissions committee as well. So I was reading applications. Um, and I'm old enough for that to have actually been right at the beginning of the internet uh, in, the, in, in the world, right? So I, I went away from it for about 20 years, um, had a child, built my career doing some of the kind of work I had just described, um, and then came back into this as a parent and said, I'm, I'm expecting the 
was the, the process of finding and enrolling in the perfect school for my daughter to be decidedly different because we live in a different world today than the one in which I applied to colleges right typewriter right right uh, and what i found was was grossly disappointing it was really the same old thing where she was entering it into a keyboard but it was the same limited information about a limited number of schools um, the information flow the process the technology was all terrible and and just you know quick anecdote that kind of really got me thinking taking her to visit the first school on her list and we put a lot of thought into exactly what should be on that list she had a lot of advantages that most kids don't have in terms of two parents who, who went to college, um, a good guidance counselor, a, pi a private guidance counselor as well. And despite that, we got to the first school where uh, we thought we had hit the bullseye with the kinds of things she was looking for. We drove onto campus after a six hour drive and she said, no, 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 dad, don't, don't even get out of school or excuse me, don't even get out of the car. This oh, is not school for me. <laughs> I said, well, look, let, let's go ahead and get out of the car, take a tour, and then then we'll we'll go to dinner and talk about it. All right. And so as we're driving to dinner, I said, all right, tell you what, you jump on Spotify and find the perfect song to lighten the mood. Um, and I had jumped on Yelp to find the perfect restaurant in this town we didn't know. And we got to the perfect dinner with fantastic music. It was just right for the occasion. And it occurred to me that the technology used to match us with those two relatively inconsequential things was, it was so much more sophisticated than the technology we were using to match her with what in the U.S. Is, is potentially a quarter million dollar investment. And, and so I really started to think about how we might bring other technologies perfected in other industries and in common usage today into the decision about what am I passionate about, where do my people go to school, and where should I apply, and where do I have the best chance of not just getting in, but getting out with a degree. Mm, I love it. So Tell me, well, I guess give give everyone a little bit of context and background on what Truve is doing and how you guys are currently using AI, and then I'll have a couple other questions for you. Sure. Yeah. You know, we, we are a two-sided platform for students and for schools, and we operate under the simple premise, like I said, that A, the, the goal is not so much just to get in, it's to get out. Um, and if that's the case, then it's pretty self-evident that the largest part of every school community are the graduates. They are the people that have found the success and happiness in that school's unique culture that might be of interest to prospective students. And so we can use data science and use AI to go quantify the culture academically and socially of a school and then make that available to a student to take a quick, you know, in our, in our current format, they take a short quiz about their learning and, and social culture preferences. And then we're able to say to them, the people that have the same kind of answer patterns that you have, have found happiness and success in these schools. And this is where you should start your college search, because you'll find that as you get engaged with that school, it's going to be check, 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 check. These are all the things that just really light you up and say, wow, th this is incredible. And more likely than not, you didn't know about this school in advance because it might be 50 miles away from home, might be 500 miles away from home. But most of us have such a limited perspective on what schools are available to us that we miss out on a, on a bunch of amazing opportunities. So that's, that's our goal is to use AI to better match you with the outcome that you're looking for, which is graduation. Um, and we believe that the right way to do that is to match you with the people that have already graduated because they are the model for success in the same way that AI has shown us that the right place for me to go to dinner is where people that have my same tastes and preferences have already gone to dinner. 
Very cool. Very cool. I love that. I think that's such an amazing application. So talk to me a little bit about the technology that you guys are are using in that. Um, I, I've, I understand you've been working on this for a few years now. When you kind of started Truve, was the idea just being like, hey, how do we, you know, match people with a, like a, a quiz and a survey kind of thing? Like, I know there's a lot of like very simple technologies, you know, they got a database with a couple check marks and you take a little quiz and it'll just kind of match you with something. Or yeah. right off the get-go, were you looking to do something a little bit more algorithmic, a little bit more in-depth with, with an AI play on that? Yeah, so we, you're absolutely right that there is a very simple, if you think about the Venn diagram of this, right? Do I want to go to a big school or a small school, city school, country school? And that creates a, a sublist of the schools that meet the criteria that I, I requested on a very sort of limited um, demographic kind of basis mm -hmm. or geographic basis. Um, and that's, that's where we started. By necessity, that's sort of where you have to start. And that's where the right. industry is today, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we are a bootstrapped startup. Um, and so we don't have massive amounts of technology and budget to be able to to invent a lot of things. This is about plugging in um, into this market technologies which have already been proven um, and mm -hmm. pioneered in other markets. So we are in the midst of that transition now. Um, if you yeah, think okay. about the acceleration of, of AI technologies in the last six, nine, 12 months, um, and as we look at our product plan over the next year, there is obviously phenomenal application here to take friction out of this system, where right now, as you suggest, we're, we started with this pattern matching between mm -hmm. what, what happened at the school for its alumni, recent alumni and current students, and what a prospective student may want. The AI side of this gives us the ability to eliminate that friction or greatly reduce that friction. Yeah. So we can go to a school and say, here is your pattern. Here is what we have found to be the pattern of success academically and socially from mm -hmm. your graduates without you having to lift a finger. Um, and then here for the student, instead of taking a you know 10 or 12 minute quiz, they could take a one or two minute quiz that is much more kind of a generative AI kind of experience that would really be exciting for them. Yeah, um, that's very cool. And, and then take over the control of that. And, and, and part of this, Jaden, is we want to get rid of this junk mail model that the U.S. higher education system is built on. And the junk mail model, what, I, what I'm referencing there is, is if you, I'm not sure where you went to, to university, but um, most American students are absolutely deluged with spam and, uh, and physical mail from colleges and universities that have historically just sent them massive amounts of junk. Right. Understanding that, that some of that's going to get through and that will create their class. Mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons, and that's maybe another show, that model stinks. And they all know it. The students know it. The schools know it. But they just don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Truth is what you do to fix this, right? Mm -hmm. and, and as we create effectively an a online dating app that allows a student to very quickly take a quiz and to match with schools and then approve the schools that they like, you know, swipe right on the ones you love. And then they can, that opens the portal for the schools to talk to the students directly online, as opposed to us saying, we're going to sell that student's matching information to a school that puts it in their CRM system and then blast spam at them until they finally respond. Yeah. That's where the industry is now. And that's part of what has to get fixed with technology. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, I think that's a pretty awesome application. And I think also your strategy of, you know, you obviously have to, with these with startups, you got to start somewhere and then you kind of build into the AI aspect. I had a similar thing on my uh, last startup where it was a, it's kind of like a mindfulness app. And then uh, with, kind of chat GPT launching and a lot of other things we started kind of building some of our own technology, um, but then also harnessing, you know, open AI's API into chat GPT. And we built out 
essentially an AI life coach, a, a pretty sophisticated tool. Um, but it was, it, it's so powerful where you can plug into some of these existing products. And I think that the, I think that the software companies that will succeed over the next five to 10 years are all, well, we're already seeing it with the, the major corporations, but even when we come down to the smaller and indie sized companies, it's going to be the ones that whether they were doing it before or not, they're starting to leverage all of these new AI tools and integrating them to scale and, and improve their product. When you, um, and actually have a good idea for you, but, but I'll give you in a second of someone I've seen uh, in an interesting way they started integrating, but I'm just curious um, what your, where your mindset is and what your vision is on this. Like, like what AI technologies are you planning on integrating or using, or have you thought about how that implementation kind of looks beyond just the concept of AI matching people? Yeah, I'll give you one kind of peek behind the curtain. Um, one of the areas, one of the reasons why this, this industry, this college search process is so difficult is that there just are not enough great guidance counselors out there. The average ratio of guidance counselors or rather students to guidance counselors in the United States is 475 to one. So mm. the average guidance counselor in an American high school is overwhelmed by the number of students they're trying to help. And they they're, they're giving them you know, academic counseling and behavioral counseling and college counseling. So it's, it's a really challenging role. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we want to do is to be able to start with this uh, really simple, engaging kind of dating app looking quiz for a student that allows mm -hmm. them to express themselves quickly and easily in an entertaining way. And then to be able to actually speak to a school and speak to a guidance counselor about those results. Mm -hmm. And I would say the, the relatively new ability to have that actually be AI, mm. um, as opposed to saying we have to find and train physical guidance counselors to start to mm -hmm. fill that role online, a la you know, telehealth kind of model. Mm. If we could do that generatively, and if we could have, for example, a new school, a prospective school, you know, if a student matches with, with the University of Vermont, um, and then a kind of a bot from UVM says, you know, hey, Jaden, it's so great to meet you. I appreciate that you swiped on us. We love to see the match here. You know, we, we see you want to do this, this and this. Would you like to speak to somebody directly? Would you like to speak to a student who majors in what you want from your hometown? You know, we have a few of those. And there's so much you can do mm. that the our ability to then sell that to the school is significantly enhanced by our ability to automate some of those processes Mm -hmm. So the school can literally just sort of step into that as opposed to us saying, buy this speculatively. You can mm -hmm. say, here it is. It's already working. And now you can tap into it. And our ability mm. to extract value from that goes way up. Yeah, I love that. And I love the, I also love the the fact that with, with a model like that and a play like that, um, you know, let's say a student matches with a school, they can, of course, go talk to a guidance counselor over there. But you could also get just literally an API to chat GPT and give it like a page long of instructions or a couple pages that are like, Hey, you are a guidance counselor at, you know, the university of Texas. Here's all the statistics about the university of Texas that people exactly. usually know, right? Whatever's already in your vector database, you plug it in. It's like, what questions do you have? Are you interested in this? I, you know, we saw that this was on your quiz. Have you thought about this? And it's just, it's, it's essentially just pulling everything off of there, but having a really fluid conversation with them, which, uh, I feel like is is the way a lot of people will be gathering information in the future is beyond just like, you know, instead of getting that, a two pager from a university of all this information about them where not all of it's relevant, being able to just sit there and, and kind of query it and ask it a couple questions specifically and get responses in natural language would be 
would be really uh, beneficial. So yeah, that's and, then, cool. and then integrate that with you know with my calendar. Like, tell mm -hmm. me what are all the filing dates? Like, if so, I love this school. Do I want to apply early? What does that mean? And and if so, what you know what what are the dates that matter? And there's mm -hmm. there's a lot of complexity in in the the process of applying to college in the U.S. Um, you know about the the financial side of it and 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 filling out these forms and getting your parents involved. So there's a lot of stuff that tends to bog down most students. And the interesting thing is I got into this a few years ago. I thought the problem was getting into college in America, but that's the storyline that the press wants to tell you, right? You hear about Harvard and 3% acceptance rates and Stanford and MIT and it's so hard. Those schools are less than 5% of the total market. The average acceptance rate in the U.S. college or university is about 70%. Mm. The problem is that the average graduation rate, the on-time graduation rate at four years is 45%. And so the problem isn't getting in, it's getting out. And mm. when students run into, and, and a lot of that I feel is driven by misfit with where they go to school. And so when they run into the inevitable problems and the challenges of being 18, 19 years old, being out on your own, trying to fend for yourself, um, having money problems, having relationship problems, all kinds of things come at you. If you are not in your right place, surrounded by your kind of people, you're much more likely to bail. Do um, you, do you have any, uh, I know like, you know, new startup and you, you have obviously kind of this niche of, uh, being like a, a match between students and, and college and stuff. Do you see your roadmap expanding into helping students like once they get into college or like going any further down the pipeline, or do you think you'll stay pretty siloed on your, just the kind of admission process? No, I, I, I would love to see this expand. You know, in it, its essence, what we're trying to do is we're trying to use, trying, trying to digitally quantify the culture of an organization in order to put the people that have the greatest chance for success in that culture into it, right? And so that could be, uh, if you follow the education train, you could, you could go up to into grad schools and other things like that. You could help with student persistence and sh show schools. These are the things that your graduates found to be important. So do more of it or find early intervention for children, you know, for, for students who are struggling with that. But it, it, it goes beyond that, right? You can say, well, these are the companies where your particular passions and interests and values uh, and priorities would have the greatest impact. And so these are the companies where you should consider working. Uh, and these are the career types. And this, this extends to major selection as well. Uh, you know, the, I don't know of a single teenager that's ever used the verb to major until they got into the college admissions process and try to figure out what that means. And there's a lot of pressure around that. So helping students to find their passion um, and then showing them what a career might look like and then showing them the kinds of schools where people with those same passions have found success. And then to follow that into these are the kinds of careers, these are the jobs, these are the specific companies where your particular passions, interests, talents would be of greatest impact, I think would be a huge game-changing value for people and for companies. So being in the kind of education and AI space, where I'm curious because I've heard a lot of kind of controversy around this and I'm just curious what your thoughts are. So like, let's say a student, they use this, they find an awesome university, they think it's great. They know that, you know, they, they chatted with an AI bot, they kind of used AI to get them to this point where they're now like applying for school. What do you think the impact of, like, let's just say ChatGPT, but AI is on like actually the school admissions process, like would you ever ha have any sort of tool to help people with admissions? Or I guess, what's your thought on like students, let's say just using ChatGPT to write their admissions essays or, or, you know, that whole, that whole side of it. Yeah. You know, I, I tend to be a sort of glass half full 
person as a, and so I, my, my instinct is not to go to the negative and think all the different ways that, that you could abuse the system with technology. Um, it, it would, an example would be, I had a bot write my essay for me. Now today, wealthy students oftentimes get someone else to either write them or appreciably write their essay for them. So that problem exists today, but it's, sure. it's limited to people with, ex, with extreme means. And mm -hmm. so to say, well, that problem is going to proliferate because it's now cheaper. It's essentially free to do that. Yeah, that's an issue. I think what the real opportunity, though, for schools in particular is to understand who they are and what types of students do best in their culture and to be able to see that in those students. So I think that I, I had to actually had a college president ask me the other day, he said, you know, would you envision this technology, if not today, but ultimately replacing my enrollment team? Mm -hmm. And I said, look, I, I'm, I'm not a futurist, I, but I don't think so. I think what we're talking about is endowing your enrollment team with much, much better information and better access to the kinds of students that you're looking for and allowing them to make better decisions because they have better inputs. Um, it's, and so it's not about the machine making the decision. It's about the machine making available better decision-making data and uh, and matches for this for the the human team to be able to make their selections so i i, I yes clearly there are negative uh, potential implications and teenagers will find them um, but ultimately it's sort of you, you're only kind of harming yourself if you lie to get into a school however you want to define lie but if you if you present something other than your honest self and you get in on false pretense you're unlikely to stick it out and you're just creating problems for yourself. So I, I'm, I'm maybe a bit naive on that. Um, but I, I really think that the opportunity is far greater than the risk of infusing this particular old system with better technology. Do you view, um, yeah, that's a great, that's a great answer. Do you, do you think that schools, like, you know, you mentioned you talked to that uh, professor and he said, you know, this is going to replace my enrollment team. Do you think um, schools will ultimately move away from, I mean, and I know a lot of them perhaps already are, so maybe that's, maybe that's the answer, but do you, do you think schools will move away from reviewing um, individual applications and go towards just AI, essentially, reading the application and deciding if it's a good fit based off of your database? Like, do you... Do you think there's a, a place where maybe your technology or a similar one could be used? Essentially, you got this database on the user. And this is why you guys match. You have the database on there. And then it just runs an AI through their application to determine if they are eligible to be enrollment in the university. Yeah, I think some version of that is certainly possible. I mean, if you think about today, some of the larger public universities, for example, it's, it's hard to get great data on this. But the average estimation of the amount of time a reader spends on each application is just a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And so what are they doing, right? They're scanning through to say, GPA, does that match? Test score, does that match? Let me take a quick look at the transcript. Does that match? They're just buzzing through something in the way that essentially a computer would buzz through it. Um, I'm sure they, they automated that system too, to a large degree, you know, as well. Right. And, and, and so that, that already somewhat exists. And the question is not so much, does the student have the academic aptitude? It's, are they the right student for our particular learning and social culture? Um, and that to me, we have a long way to go before we're able to, to really quantify this in a way that allows for pure automation. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not our goal at Truve, but I think we are trying to help in that sense. Mm -hmm. If you look at the data now, 
um, the percentage of students who stay and graduate from their first enrolled school is 51%. So it's essentially a flip of a coin as to, with the current system, right? So it, it, you, it's, it's wrong as often as it's right. So we have to do better. We can do better. Um, and, and so that's where I think the technology is going to help is, is not so much, do they qualify for admission, but are they likely to stay and graduate? So asking when a you, question is better. Yeah. And when you think about using data to, to improve those odds of that flip of the coin, what data are you inputting into the AI? Like what, what is it asking about them? What is it learning about them to try to help make a better, better decision? Cause I know you said, you know, you mentioned, is it a cultural fit? Is it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of different things that go beyond perhaps just like the GPT score and, and whatever, what, what kind of data do you envision? Well, so, pulling so, in? Yeah. So just think about the, what well, we refer, we talk about the learning culture of a school. So our, and some of this is impacted by major, but oftentimes it is a school specific kind of answer. And you see a pattern of data to the school that says, um, do you prefer a big school or a small school? And that, that's a, not a great question. When you ask instead, um, how important is a relation or sort of a, a learning relationship with your professor to you? Uh, when you have a problem in a class, do you go to the professor? Do you go to the TA? Do you go to Google? Do you ask a classmate? You know, how do you solve your problems? Um, and, you know, when, when you're um, studying, do you prefer to study alone? Do you prefer to study in groups? Um, how do you form those groups? Do you just group with your friends? Do you find the smartest kids in the class? Do you look for diversity? Um, when you start to ask questions around the idea of how you learn, you see those patterns start to sort of tease apart from school to school, as opposed to saying, well, the students with a 3.7 go here, the students with a 3.2 go there. Um, that is the system that is a flip of the coin. And so when you, when you start to ask deeper questions, um, and importantly, those questions cannot be... Um, sort of direct, if you will. You can't say to a student, what type of, you know, choose from the following four types of students, which one are you? Because the level of self-awareness of most teenagers, or even honestly, most adult learners is not that high. But when you ask them, what would you do in this scenario? You'll get a more clear read. I love the, uh, yeah, I love that idea of asking questions around the topic, not just big school, small school, but everything around it. Uh, because I think that's, maybe they have a, a preconceived, you know, opinion on the big or small school, whether that's a good or bad thing, but it might not actually match up with what they prefer for learning style. So I think that's good. And I think that's actually a really good piece of advice for anyone listening, building applications anywhere, you know, querying your customers is not necessarily asking them uh, the, the question directly, but questions around it, um, with similar implications. So I think that's really interesting. Um, my question for you is, you know, how do you see, um, like, do you have any evidence essentially, or is this something that will come of the fact that your questions, you come up, your quiz that you've built actually improves their chance, their odds of staying in the school, right? Like, I mean, theoretically, it's like, we ask them a bunch of questions that match them up better with the university. But of course you invented those questions. So like you have your own biases and thoughts in there. Like, do you have anything that actually proves that like your quiz keeps people in there in their school longer? Or is that something that you will develop over time as you probably do like surveys after people begin and end university? Yeah. Um, we, we do not have the data yet, obviously that says the student that we matched with a school who enrolled there, um, persisted, graduated, um, mm -hmm. and ultimately, you know, the, if 
if you, well, let me just finish that thought. The, that request to be able to follow that student and monitor, not, not at the individual level, but at the aggregate level. So we don't, we're not dealing with data privacy issues here, but to say mm -hmm. the students that matched with Truve, um, did they, were they admitted at a different rate? Did they enroll at a different rate? Uh, did they uh, persist from freshman to sophomore year? Did they graduate? Um, and then on into becoming an alum, do they engage with you at a different rate? Um, mm. the, the average data would suggest that about one in 10 people stays engaged with their, their undergraduate institution post-graduation. That's a, that's a terrible number. And the business model of higher education, which is a trillion-dollar industry, is sort of built on this idea that we're going to sell you one four-year degree, and then we're going to chase you for the next 60, 70 years to give us money for nothing, right? Just give money, give money, right? That mm -hmm. business model nobody likes, doesn't work very well. Mm -hmm. And technology actually affords us the ability to change the higher education business model so that imagine if you're an undergraduate institution primarily, and you really understand what makes people love your school, you know, and every school has that group of, of alumni that have a drawer full of your sweatshirts, right? They always think about you. They're talking about you. They promote you all the time. Imagine if you could fill your classes with those students who the students who have propensity for that. That allows you as an institution to say, okay, now that we are all changing uh, our careers five, six, eight times during our life, and so we're going to need new training, new education, we're going to be looking for certification programs. There's all kinds of ways where modern education technology allows for us to give and receive education remotely and throughout the course of our lives. And if you can find that fit up front, now you've changed the lifetime value equation for both student and school, and you've completely transformed the economics of a college or university. And how do you plan on, uh, I guess, keeping track of that, right? Like, is this something where you need to essentially make a partnership with the university and have them report on the process of people that have went through the system? Or what's, or is it like, you know, surveying the people via email that have signed up for Truve and used it? How do you plan on kind of tracking that process? Yeah, so so our our contract with schools that sign up with us asks and, and they agree to say, you know, follow at the aggregate level. Say, you know, we, we brought in 500 freshmen and 300 of them came through Truve. And then we will report out the net result of those 300 versus the other 200 throughout mm. the course of their relationship. Um, and like, you know, as, as a college president said to me recently, he said, you know, once you get to that data point that says that your students graduate at a higher rate and God forbid, they actually give and stay engaged as alumni at an even higher rate. He goes, that's the Willy Wonka golden ticket. Yeah, that, for sure. Every school will be the path to your door because you have now reinvented the mousetrap without mixing my movie metaphors and my, <laughs> my mechanical metaphors. But, but I that, love it. That's the big picture goal. I love it. That's, that's awesome. David or Dave, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. Um, it's been amazing uh, talking to you about what you're building over there. If people want to, um, you know, get in contact with you or if they want to try out Truve, how do they find you? How do they find your company? Sure. Truve.me, T-R-O-O-V-E.me. Um, we would love to have your input as an alum, as a current student, uh, or as a prospective student. You can take our quiz um, at Truve.me. And, and find your matches for college or offer your data. Um, and if you're looking for me, I'm just simply david at truth.me or I'm all over LinkedIn and would love to chat with you.
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And for those listening, uh, thank you so much for joining us for the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts and have a wonderful rest of your day. If you are looking for an innovative and creative community of people using ChatGPT, you need to join our ChatGPT creators community. I'll drop a link in the description to this podcast. We'd love to see you there where we share tips and tricks of what is working in ChatGPT. It's a lot easier than a podcast as you can see screenshots, you can share and comment on things that are currently working. So if this sounds interesting to you, check out the link in the comment. We'd love to have you in the community. Thank you for tuning in to the AI Applied Podcast. Make sure to rate this wherever you listen to your podcasts and have a fantastic rest of your day.